All right, let's pray together. Let's pray. Lord, as we saw the lights shining before us in that presentation, the lights on the kids' faces as they were dancing, the lights on the Advent wreath in front of us shining at their brightest this morning, we are reminded of what your word declares about our Savior's birth in John chapter 1. The true light, which gives light to everyone, is coming into the world. And to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We're thankful, Lord, for the gift of your Son. We're thankful for the gift of salvation that we can have by believing in his name. We ask that you'd speak to us this morning as we look into a familiar but still amazing story from Luke chapter 2. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's hard to follow up with that, but uh, I will try to keep this short. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2. Again, a familiar story from a familiar passage and certainly appropriate for uh, this Christmas morning. So if you have your Bibles open, turn with me there and we'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is God's word. Well, I'd like to begin today's Christmas service, uh, Christmas sermon with a confession. My confession is, I recently finished watching my very, very first Korean drama. Ah. Now, I know not everyone here and not everyone watching is Korean. I happen to be a Korean-American, but I actually cannot speak Korean very well. And to be honest, I've never been a fan of Korean dramas. Too dramatic, too cheesy, too whiny. But I needed something new to watch when I run on the treadmill. makes it a bit less painful. So I decided to sample a show on Netflix called Hospital Playlist. I've heard some other RCC folks raving about this show, so I thought I'd give it a try, and I must admit, I was pleasantly surprised. In fact, I'll go even one step further and say, I really enjoyed this show. (laughs) Now, I do need to caution I do need to caution, since we're having all church worship, this show does have some moments that will be too intense for our younger viewers. So parents, please take note. But that important caution aside, if you're not familiar with the show, it focuses mainly on these five characters. They're all doctors. I think the literal translation of the show's original title is Wise Doctor Life or something like that. It just so happens that These five doctors are also, all of them, amateur musicians. They play together in a band, hence the show's title in English, and they, in fact, hold weekly jam sessions in the basement of one of their homes. By the way, it occurred to me that 
we actually have our own version of it here in RCC, since a good number of our worship team members are all members of the healthcare profession. RCC healthcare playlist, I don't know. But anyway, back to the show, back to the show. These doctors are all in their early 40s, but they've been friends since they first met in their college days. And so that means whenever they get together and hang out to eat or to chill, they regress big time, and they behave like total idiots. And the show's funniest scenes often come from those interactions. But when they're working at the hospital, these doctors are the consummate professionals. They're all extremely skilled surgeons, and very often they go the extra mile to show just how much they care for their patients and their colleagues. And that's where the show's most heartwarming and very sad moments happen. In many of these scenes, these doctors are speaking with their families of the patients before they go into surgery. And very often, they will hear the same desperate plea. Doctor, please save my spouse. Please save my child. Please save my parent. When someone makes that kind of plea, save him, save her, that in itself is an admission that the situation has become desperate. Very often there is a clear and present danger. And there's also the realization that we don't have the abilities or resources anymore to fix this desperate situation on our own. Someone else has to step in and do the saving for us. And in this sense, it's interesting to see how the angel in this famous Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 describes Jesus in this birth announcement to the shepherds. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah or the Christ, the Lord. Now, in most real-life circumstances, the Savior figure must often rely on his resources and abilities or her previous training and experience to do the saving. And that's how it is in a TV show. All these doctors went through years of study in medical school and training in their residency and fellowships, and they've had years of experience performing hundreds of these surgeries. But our passage today takes us to the moment of Jesus's birth. And what possible training, what possible previous experience could Jesus rely on to be the Savior for his people? Well, none. He had just been born. He had just been born. Now, of course, we're only in Luke chapter 2. And the angel evidently knows what all of us would eventually learn if we keep on reading Luke chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, all the way to the end. The wonderful event we celebrate each Christmas is what theologians often call the incarnation. Incarnation. God became man. That's what the word means. God became man. Jesus became a truly human person without becoming any less God. Jesus became a human being just like us. But unlike us, this baby born in Bethlehem would love the Father perfectly. Unlike us, he would also love his fellow humans perfectly. Unlike us, he would resist temptation perfectly. Unlike us, he would live the perfect life that all of us must live, but we can't because of our sin. 
One of the wonders of Christmas is that Jesus is proclaimed as the Savior here at his birth, not because of any previous training or experience, but because of how he's going to live as he grows up. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You know, as I was watching that show, Hospital Playlist, I picked up on another detail that kept showing up in almost every episode. Each time the doctors prepared for surgery, they offered the same assurance to the patient's anxious relatives and friends. They would always say, we'll do our best. They would never say, yes, we will save them. Yes, we will save him. We will save her. They would simply say, we'll do our best. Now, they were the most skilled surgeons in their hospital unit, but they still couldn't guarantee 100% a good outcome. Without spoiling too much of, those, uh, of the show for those of us who haven't seen it, sometimes even their best wasn't enough to save. But the good news announced here to the shepherds in our passage, and the good news for us this morning is that when the angel proclaims Jesus as the Savior, he's not saying, well, Jesus will do his best. No, Jesus would actually save his people. It's great to hear that someone will do their best, but there's a huge difference between saying, I'll do my best, and saying, I will save you. I think many of us will agree we don't want a savior who will just do his best as good as that is we want and we desperately need a savior who will actually save us now there's one last reflection i'd like to offer as i finish up whether you're watching a tv show or whether you're going through a real life experience there's a surefire way to know that the doctor and the medical staff have in fact saved the patient. And the sign is, well, the patient lives. That's the clearest sign. The patient lives, and the relatives and the friends breathe a huge sigh of relief. All the training, all the skill, all the practice, all the experience that was able to prevent what would have otherwise been a certain death. But again, if we keep reading Luke to the end, we'll learn that the only way Jesus will save is by dying. That's the clearest sign. The clearest sign that the Savior has in fact saved is he dies. This baby born in the town of David wouldn't just live the life that you and I are supposed to but can't. He would die the death that you and I deserve so that we could receive the gift of true life when we put our faith in him alone. Beyond the manger where Jesus lay on that first Christmas day lingers the faint shadow of the cross that would eventually rest on his shoulders on Good Friday. And that adds a whole new depth of meaning to this announcement by the angel, doesn't it? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this truly good news for us and for all people.
that on that first Christmas day, a Savior was born to us, Christ the Lord. Jesus, thank you for your willingness to be born as a human just like us. But unlike us, you would never sin. Unlike us, you perfectly obeyed the Father. Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to go to the cross and die in our place so that we could receive the gift of life when we put our faith in you. Lord, we pray for any friends here, any friends who may be watching right now who may not believe in you yet. Would you please help them to know how much you truly love them so that they may also receive the gift of forgiveness and salvation that you have won for us. We worship you, Lord, because you truly are our Savior. You have saved your people, and we will be forever grateful to you. We pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.